Hi everyone, I'm Darren Lim and it's Friday the 5th of May. My co-host and dear friend Alan Gingell died on Wednesday. It was only a month ago that we recorded our last episode on Cold War 2. That recording happened just a few days after he'd received a lung cancer diagnosis. He was in decent spirits then and told me that the podcast would be the last thing he would give up. The speed of his illness is almost incomprehensible. Even after his diagnosis, we were making plans. After all, we owe you, our dear listeners, an analysis of Penny Wong's recent speech, and we also wanted to talk about the Defence Strategic Review. And there is a big month to come for Australian foreign policy. But none of that can happen today. There have been already many wonderful tributes to Alan, including from Dan Flitton, Peter Varghese, Kevin Rudd, and of course the Foreign Minister. I'll post these in the show notes. I also wrote my own, which went up earlier today on the AIIA's Australian Outlook website. I thought I'd read it to you. The title is Alan Gingell and Australia in the World. Australia in the World had an unlikely beginning. I barely knew Alan when, over coffee in early 2018, I pitched to him a podcast on Australian foreign policy that would grapple with the news of the day and invite practitioners to discuss their work. At the time, I perceived a lack of depth in the contributions of senior Australian practitioners both serving and retired, in helping Australians understand what was happening in the world. With a few notable exceptions, the most one could expect were curated opinion pieces in the papers and blogs, and occasional public roundtables, comprising a 15-minute talk and a few questions. But the world was bonkers. Donald Trump was President of the United States, the UK was exiting the EU, and, of course, the People's Republic of China continued to do its thing. Consequential events seemingly happened almost every week. And I wanted to know what senior policymakers, the ones who craft and carry out foreign policy, thought about it all. Ideally, with follow-up questions. As fate would have it, Alan was already an avid podcast listener and, having taken leadership of the Australian Institute of International Affairs, he was intrigued by my proposal. What I would come to learn about Alan is that he cared very much about ideas and, like me, saw an opportunity for a contribution to the Australian community centred around ideas rather than conclusions a process of discussion, debate and inquiry that would highlight the complexities and trade-offs in foreign policy. As his dear friend Dennis Richardson told the Australian Financial Review, quote, Alan understood nuance. He often said, I'm not a strategist, I'm a foreign policy analyst and advisor. A strategist sees the world in black and white, An analyst sees the shades of grey and deals with it accordingly.
end quote. Six months later, we recorded our first episode. It was terrible. Indeed, it was so bad, we ditched it entirely, rewriting and re-recording the entire thing the following day. But in the weeks and months that followed, we developed an easy rapport. Often, I would get overexcited about some news event, only to be calmly informed by Alan, drawing upon five decades of foreign policy experience, that it had all happened before. He'd tell me, for example, that every Australian government discovers India at least once during its time in office, or that there are certain things all Australian leaders must say when giving speeches about the US alliance, though these differ by political party. As an outsider looking in, Alan helped me pierce the veil of the foreign policy apparatus, providing insight into the complexity and necessity of bureaucratic processes and fostering a keen appreciation of the trade-offs decision makers face every day. While I learned so much from him, his impact on me was even more profound. As a PhD theorist with only a handful of years of real-world work experience, I initially assumed I had little to contribute to the discussion other than to ask the questions. To my surprise, Alan was relentlessly curious to hear my theorists take on events, and he was utterly respectful of my views. Alan was someone who could be persuaded. He would always engage, giving me the space to make my point, and, when necessary, he had the patience to teach me, when my theorising took me far past the bounds of reality. He saw my voice and our dialogue as a meaningful contribution to his larger project. With his encouragement, I developed confidence in my belief in the utility of developing models for understanding the world. And with that confidence came my voice. And I am not unique. Alan believed that the foreign policy community's younger generation had a vital role to play. And no doubt my experience is mirrored in the hundreds of others Alan mentored across his career. Not six months after we launched, I moved to Lebanon with my family to accompany my wife on a diplomatic posting. The relationship Alan and I had cultivated in person translated seamlessly online, and the podcast went from strength to strength. Diplomatic postings can sometimes be isolating and even lonely experiences, especially for partners. At times, you can feel like you're losing your sense of self, a situation that was exacerbated with the pandemic and, in Lebanon, the trauma of the Beirut blast. But the fortnightly structure of the podcast imbued our collaboration with a regularity that transformed it into an unexpected friendship. Alan became a very close friend during my time away, and I'll forever be grateful for the time and care he dedicated, not just to the podcast, but to my welfare. In our final phone call less than two weeks ago, when it was clear that his continued participation on the podcast was unlikely, Alan expressed frustration 
that he was being substituted off the field at possibly the most important moment for Australian foreign policy in his lifetime. His motivation to continue the conversation, to continue the inquiry, and to continue the mission of the AIIA to help Australians know more, understand more, and engage more in international affairs was undimmed. As Alan tells us, foreign policy is the way the state manages its relationships with other actors in the international system to preserve its national security and prosperity, protect its interests and advance its values at minimum cost in treasure and blood. Effective foreign policy ensures that no matter how international developments unfold, we will always have options to act. Alan described foreign policy as, quote, much of the work of my life. It was a true honour to undertake a small slice of that work with him and share it with many other Australians. His work and his life set an example to which we would do well to aspire. He is gone now, and we mourn his loss. But for all of us, the work remains. I'm going to leave it there for now. Except I want to recommend two pieces of music, both on the piano performed by artists I've recommended previously and that I've been listening to these past few days. Ulvigo Einwadi's E Journey is a morning song, while George Winston's take on Pucklebell's classic Canon is embedded with much more hope. See the show notes for details. That's all for Australia and the world for now. I will be back, but for now, let's all remember and celebrate Alan. Take care.